Hey guys, what's poppin'? This is the Dallas Rays Podcast. I'm Spencer. And I'm Alexander. And our goal is to provide you with some of the best baseball content during this rough time. Make sure to remember to take your vitamins, wash your hands when you're out and about. Please use gloves, stand six feet apart, shopping, um, you should wear a mask. I think it covers everything. Yeah. But if you're on your phone right now, you're on your laptop, whatever device, it really doesn't matter. Make sure you go on our Instagram or even our Spotify. On Instagram, our at is at Delos underscore Reyes underscore podcast. Follow us. Give us some likes. Shout us out. We'll shout you back out too. You send us DMs. We're going to send you some DMs. Uh, comment on our post. We'll comment back with you. One thing we do want to let you know though is if you ever have any suggestions for any future podcast episodes, you ever want to be a part of one, which hint, hint, we might have some of that today. Uh, if you ever... Anything you want to talk about, even if it's just let's talk baseball, we're there. Uh, DM us on our Instagram. Uh, I want to take some time to say that the Delos Reyes podcast wants to send out our condolences to the Steinbrenner family because Hank Bre- Hank Steinbrenner sadly passed away uh, at 63 from a long term illness. We all are really sad for that happening. That was a corner of the New York Yankees. Yeah, and we're all really sad. Yesterday. And on a happier note, though, happy Jackie Robinson Day. So if baseball were going on right now, every player would be wearing the number 42, no matter who they were. And the reason for that is because Jackie Robinson. We're going to get into that later in this episode. Uh, But the last person to ever wear this number was Mario Rivera, who retired, also known as the Sandman because of his walk-up song, Enter the Sandman by Metallica. I love playing that on the bass guitar, I'm not gonna lie. As soon as I picked it up, I was like, I gotta learn this song. He's a beast. Amazing, Hall of Famer. Pretty sure he was unanimous, right? Yes, yes, he was. 18 in the Hall of Fame. Enough about Omar Rivera, though. He was the last person to wear number 42. No one else has worn it since. April 15th is the only day professional baseball players in the Major League Baseball are allowed to wear this number. Let's head on to some baseball news, though. Uh, we have some information about the coronavirus studies. Uh, USC is in medicine research and testing that they'll test up to 10,000 people for coronavirus antibodies and could potentially offer researchers. And that is according info. to ESPN's Jeff Bassan. This is going to be for MLB organizations. Yeah. Um, all 30... Oh, wait, my bad. 27 have agreed to do this. And out of the 30 MLB teams, and that's it's just going to be a good thing for the MLB right now because that's what they need. All right. Uh, I also have some news from the MLB. I believe sometime last week, around this time, Wednesday, or th- no, last Friday, definitely last Friday, the MLB has started an MLB Players League. I don't know whoever plays MLB The Show 20. I played a lot on the PS4. But they're having a league. There's only one representative per team. My favorite team, the Mets, obviously. They got Jeff McNeil representing them. And they're going to be playing a virtual league. This custom league is a new addition to the video game. I personally was watching some of the games on Friday and Saturday. It was pretty cool because not only do you get to... It's a short game, three innings. They play each other three times, I think, throughout the league, each person. Uh, It was definitely cool to see. Because you got to see players like Joey Gallo, Amir Garrett... Yeah. Uh, Blake Snell, they were all playing each other, but they were just talking about baseball. Like, I watched a video on Instagram yesterday with Cole Tucker. Now, he's a shortstop. He's entering his sophomore year with the Pittsburgh Pirates. And he was talking about his relationship with Hunter Pence, who now went back to their 
San Francisco Giants, excuse me, and he looked up to him. I remember he told a story about how there was a game that they played last season. They were playing against Texas, his former team for that one season, and he Cole Tucker was playing second base. Uh, Penn somehow got on second base as a runner, and they were talking, and he told them the whole story about how he just loved them, he idolized them when he was uh, younger, and then Penn told him, he's like, well, think about it this way. Just how you looked up at me, people are going to look up at you. And I thought that was amazing. So they talk about that during this league. So not only is this league going to be providing great content of baseball, you get to see your players that aren't playing right now, they're also going to be enjoying the time with each other. And I think it's a great thing to watch. But if that doesn't make it, if that doesn't make it good, the sweet in the pot, they're going to donate $175,000 to the Boys and Girls Clubs from this league. And I think it's going to be a positive impact for everybody. Yeah, it's going to be really nice. But one more big thing for news we got today before we jump into our episode. There is a rumor. Now, there was an original rumor that I think we talked about last episode that the MLB was planning to resume their activities in Arizona without fans. That rumor has been improved. We now have a detailed division by division and a new league format for these teams. So pay attention to this. If you're a baseball fan and you're looking for the season, here are the divisions and leagues for potential seasons. So they're based off of where their spring training sites are in Florida and Arizona. So all the teams of Florida are still going to be called the Grapefruit League. The other would be the Cactus in, in uh, Arizona. Yeah. Now, it does not matter if you're National League or American League. It just depends on how close you are in distance to other teams' spring training facilities. So we'll go over it section by section. Let's start with the Grapefruit League. We have the North Division, which is the New York Yankees, Philadelphia Phillies, Toronto Blue Jays, Detroit Tigers, and the Pittsburgh Pirates. We have the South, which is the Red Sox, Twins, Braves, Rays, and Orioles. And the East, we got the Nationals, Astros, Mets, Cardinals, and Marlins. And with the Cactus League, the Northeast is the Chicago Cubs, the Giants, the Diamondbacks, the Rockies, and the Athletics. The West is the Dodgers, White Sox, Reds, Indians, and Angels. Northwest is Brewers, Padres, Mariners, Rangers, and Royals. Now, I could talk more personally about the East Division of this Grapefruit League if this does come through. They would only have three stadiums. Uh, in Jupiter, Florida, the Cardinals and Marlins actually share a stadium. So that's already two teams off. And in West Palm Beach, the Nationals and Astros share a stadium. So that's two stadiums. And then the Mets are in Port St. Lucie, so they would only be playing three stadiums the whole season. Now, this is just a rumor. It's a plan. It may or may not happen. We don't know. But we do know that if this does happen, it will only be just the players and necessary staff to run the games. I'm sure there might be broadcasters and stuff like that, but there won't be any fans until this pandemic plays. It's, it goes through and it's finished. All right, so I'm going to head to a fun fact. This is a new segment that we're doing. We're going to be doing it every podcast. So we're, today's fun fact is the only time a team had two sons of Hall of Famers on the field was the Blue Jays in 2019, which was last season. They had Vladimir Guerrero Jr. and Kevin Biggio. I did not know that, but like, don't forget about Bo Bichette. Those three superstars are going to run that team in three years. I fully believe that. Young team. But let's get into it. So today, our episode is going to be all about how baseball has changed through the years. So we're not going to go through each decade. Maybe that's another episode. We don't know. But what we're going to talk about today is baseball moments that change the MLB. Now, this might be a whole season. This could be a couple seasons. It could be one at bat. It could be 
one anything. play. Yeah, it could be anything. But since Jackie Robinson Day, of course, we're going to start off with the debut of Jackie Robinson in 1947 with the Los Angeles Dodgers. So I guess I'll start off. Um, Robinson, he debuted again in 1947. Is eight years before the Civil Rights Movement was actually recognized by the U.S. He debuted in Ebbets Field, the home of the Brooklyn Dodgers, which had 26,623 fans. Now, when he was on the team, at first, it, it wasn't really clear why they signed him. Not a lot of people believe the fact that he could make an impact in the league. But his teammate, P.B. Reese, uh, shortstop and second baseman, stood up for him, as well as the manager, Leo Drocher. Now, I know there were two teams that were... Not, I'm not going to put any sand. This is old news about what's happened. But the Cardinals and Phillies were very outspoken about Robinson being able to play in the major league. They did not appreciate it. But since they were so over the top with being negative towards Robinson... It almost brought the Dodgers team closer together. So close together that in 1955, they won the first World Series title for the Brooklyn Dodgers before their move to LA. Not only did he pave the road for the Dodgers history, but he also paved the road for great players to enter the league like Larry Dobby, Satchel Paige, Big Papa Cool, Roy Campanella, and Don Newcomb to break into the major leagues. And racial tensions began to ease. I, I think with Jackie Robinson coming to the league, that's got to be the number one thing that changed the game of baseball. What do you got? Uh, so this we're not rating it in order, but this is my my moment. I feel that we're, we we want to take it back to 1960 World Series in Game Seven. Bill Mazeroski smashed smashed a, a walk off home run, and I mean he absolutely demolished that baseball. I've watched some videos on it, but. Did you know he was the first person ever to hit a home run to win the World Series? So in Game 7 of the 1960 World Series, Bill Mazeroski made history. And that's what he did. And it's just a crazy thing to see because you don't see that ever happen. Yeah, not a lot of people know about yeah. that guy. He's, he's kind of hidden. Yeah, younger generation. a little hidden in there. Let's move it on with another first. Uh, we have Don Larson. Okay, so he was known... Honestly, he wasn't known as a really great pitcher during his career. He pitched for four, seven, excuse me, a 14-year career, seven different teams. It's an average of two teams. Like, that's, that's not really that good, especially if you're a starting pitcher. If you're a reliever or a closer, it, it's kind of expected. But if you're a starting pitcher and moving on that much, you're not doing something right. Um, no one expected him to do this feat that he was about to accomplish. But let's, let's talk about it. So, 1956 World Series, okay, his first game that he pitches was game two. He pitched one and two-third innings. For those who don't know about baseball, that means he pitched five batters. Out of the five batters, he walked four and gave up a hit, which means he didn't get a strikeout or a pop-up. He did not record an out. Gave the hit and played a major role in blowing a 6-0 Yankee lead. Now, he was a pitcher for the New York Yankees. I'm not hating against the New Yankees, but you're going to say that I might even be like him after this because after game two, he comes back and he pitches the only perfect game in postseason history against the lineup that I just said from the reigning champions of the Brooklyn Dodgers. So they went 1955, then they played the Yankees in 1956. Okay, so this roster had Jackie Robinson, Gil Hodges, Roy Campanella, Duke Snyder, uh, Pee Wee Reese, 
and he pitched a perfect game. This was the sixth in Major League history of perfect games in general, but the only one in all of MLB history to ever be in the postseason. And that's till this day. That's till this day. Again, not many people may know him, but to be the only one to ever pitch a perfect game, like so many people in MLB have struggles today. Like Clayton Kershaw, not a really good postseason pitcher. Mad Bum's a great postseason pitcher. Now he's in Diamondbacks. So we don't know. He's probably <laughs> not gonna be in the postseason. I don't get so I you know. All right, so I'm going to start it off. This is another play by a phenomenal player who had an insane season. Not an insane season, insane career. He was a great player. We're going to talk about Derek Jeter, and we're going to talk about his amazing play in Game 3 of the 2000 ALDS series. So Derek Jeter cuts off a wild throw, and this is a game-tying run right here. And he... He cuts off the throw and flips it to Posada to get Giambi out at the plate. That's an insane play. He went, like, everyone was so confused. Everyone's like, why is he there? Why, what is he doing? And he cut it off and made the phenomenal play to get the last out. That was, that's just insane. And now you, I'm playing baseball with the high school. And they're they're saying, oh, dude, when you when this happens, you're supposed to do the Derek Jeter play. He literally yeah, has a play named after him. Short stops. Yeah. Short stops. When you make a good play and you... You come up, and you step on the base, you throw the first. Yeah. You get that double play by yourself. That's that's a nice feat to have. And yeah, a and lot of also, people look up to him from that. He's also known for that cutoff. And when we do that cutoff, the coach says, hey, do the Derek Jeter play when yeah, this happens. Short, of course. So this is what you have to do at shortstop, and this is why I feel it's a great moment in exchange baseball. I got another moment, okay? So it's, it's Ted Williams, but let's bring it back to 2011 season. Now, I know you're going to be like, Ted Williams didn't play to us. I'm, like, I'm going to shoot down a player that I like. And it's going to be unfortunate, but I'm going to do it. Jose Reyes, okay? I love the guy. He's awesome. I obviously, like, we obviously share the last same name, same number. I never had to get a custom jersey. You just had to use his jersey. It was amazing. But he did something that's kind of, it's kind of questionable. So, in 2011, he was looking to secure his first National League batting title having the best average. Now, he could have let off in the bottom of the first inning, but he decided, no, I want to be benched. He told the manager, no, I want to be benched. It's okay. And he was benched. Again, he won the title. But let's talk about someone named Ted Williams from the Red Sox who didn't go on the bench. He still won the title. So now, he was batting... 3996. His manager, Joe Cronin, Joe Cronin told him that it would be round up to 400 that will be let him know, and he would still win the title if he didn't bat. And I quote, this is this is what Williams said, and I quote, if I can't hit 400 all the way, I don't deserve it. End quote. He went out that day, they had a doubleheader, went six for eight, got a home run to finish that six for eight, and he batted 406. No player in the history of the MLB has hit 400 in a season since Ted Williams. Now, that's 1956. That's a long record to have, and no one's, no one's had it. And that, that's obviously a great mentality to have. You're saying, if I don't get it, if I don't play, I don't yeah. deserve it. That's a great I mean, mentality I don't mean to, to shoot Jose Reyes down, but if you're comparing the two, like he could have just went for it, but he wanted the title more than he wanted to earn it, essentially, at the end. I don't agree with sitting him down on the bench. 
So what do you got? What's your next one? So my next moment, a lot of people may not think of this. I'm going to say Barry Bonds. Everyone doesn't like him sometimes. Well, not a lot of people like him because of steroids, but I feel yeah. this is, in, this is a moment. controversial. This is a moment <laughs> that needs to be in, talked, about. talked about because yeah. he hit 756 home runs, which is the most ever by a player in their career. career. Yes. And then 71 home runs in one season. That was... We got two more in the postseason. Too. Yeah, you so got two more in the postseason, too. It went up to 73, yeah, which is... The smashes a, a, a record. And I don't think... It, I think it's very untouchable. No one's come close. I mean, no one, even like, Pete Alonso last season, he yeah. had 53. That, was that the most? Yeah, I believe that was the most in all of MLB. Yeah, and... I could be wrong, but I'm pretty sure that was the closest anyone got. He was a rookie, too. I mean... Yeah. I don't think even he can reach that. That, That'd be a while. You have to be a big dude. Yeah, and even Barry Bonds, there was this one game where there was the bases loaded. And they intentionally, the bases loaded, they were down by two, the Giants. And they intentionally walked Barry Bonds just so he couldn't hit. And they let a run score. And then they got out, they got out the third out. He he came up with two outs and they, they intentionally walked him. And I think that's insane. That's an insane call, but it was a great call, and they ended up winning, not the Giants. Now, I'm going to piggyback off that moment with a moment of my own. Okay, it's going to be similar to yours. Pedro Martinez. Now, a lot of people know that he's a great pitcher. I know he played for the Mets. Obviously, why I like him so much. The Expos. I think he played for the Red Sox as well. I'm not going to name other teams that I know that I don't know because I don't want to be wrong. But... He dominated during his third era, which happened to be Barry, Barry Bonds. Bonds. This is why I'm talking about it. Uh, Barry Bonds, Sammy Sosa, Mark McGuire, Jose Canseco. You look at pictures and they're beefed up. I mean, so this guy put up a 1.74 ERA. Now, for those who don't know baseball, that's earned run average. That's how many runs you get per inning. Uh, he put up 284 strikeouts in 217 innings. Keep in mind, this is a starting pitcher. 284 strike on 217 innings. That, that, that's a lot per inning. And he only walked 32 batters the whole season. His ERA was never over 1.81 the whole season, although he averaged 1.74. And his first 12 starts the season were at .99. He didn't break one until his 13th start. See. Like, that's insane. That Against all these, I don't want yeah. to call them meatheads, but like these beefed up guys. These beefed up guys using steroids. He did all this against them. That, that's but I got more I got more I got more stats so during the months of April, May, and July he made 15 starts and only gave up 13 runs like what and usually a start is at least yes. 5 to 6 innings and mm-hmm. only 13 runs that's his whip when his whip is um, I forgot what the W is but I know it's hits it's, it's the way they calculate ERA the same thing but it's hit per inning it was a .74 which is the lowest of all time for anybody um, he broke the record from Walter Johnson, who had it for 87 years. Now, let's put this in perspective. The league ERA for pitchers was 4.91. He had 1.74, which is 64.5% lower than the league average. Now, let, let's say you're a listener, like, man, I don't even care about pitching. Why are you talking about him? Let's put it in a batter's perspective, okay? If you took that 64.5%, and put it above the league's batting average, you'd be batting 4.454. That's almost hitting 500, like 500 or 50% of your at-bats and getting on base. That's insane. Like, no one 
no one can go close to that. I mean, the only person that can touch that is Nolan Ryan. But that, that's for another day. But I really think this is the one of the moments I was talking about. There's a whole season. There's not just a moment and at bat. But I think Petra Martinez definitely changed the game. All right, I'm going to talk about Roberto Clemente's 3,000th hit. So, Roberto Clemente in 1972 hit his 3,000th hit. It was a double, and it was a nice shot into the gap. He got a nice double, and he's fast. Mm-hmm. And um, But sadly, that was his final hit of his whole entire career. He, he passed away the, uh, a couple days after because he, he was on a plane crash. Yes. Um, was a real, he was gonna help out the country. He was gonna help the country. Yeah, uh, he was doing a good He's thing. Respectable player and respectable person. And you don't get a lot of those in sports anymore. Yeah, everyone loved him. So I feel like this moment is crucial because he hit his three thousandth hit, and then he has the ball and everything. I feel mm-hmm. it. I feel it's a really crucial moment to share. I'm gonna talk about a controversial moment for your Yankees fans. Babe Ruth. Okay, so we most people know the 1932 World Series is when he made the iconic point to center field, right? He's going to hit a dinger. He hit the home run. Everyone's like, oh, oh my God, yeah, he hit a home run. Yeah, yeah, He called his shots. But did he actually call it, though? That's what's up to debate. We all know they did hit a home run in the fifth inning off of the Cubs pitcher, Charlie Root. But do we know if he actually called it? Now, of course, they didn't have social media back then. They just had newspapers, and you had to rely on the people that were there. So you could talk to the catcher, the umpire, Maybe the pitcher, like you can't really hear what he's saying unless he's talking loud. And then Babe Ruth, so kind of really biased who you're gonna listen to. Let's listen to both sides. So Babe Ruth said, and I quote, Well, I looked out of center field and I pointed, I said, I'm gonna hit the next pitch ball right up past the flagpole. Well, the good lord must have been with me. End quote. So Babe Ruth obviously said, He's like, No, I pointed to center field and I hit that dinger. Like, who's gonna say no? But then the Cubs catcher, Gabby Hardnett, has something else to say. And I quote, I don't want to take anything for the bait because the reason we make good money. But he didn't call the shot. He held up the index finger on his left hand and said, it only takes one hit. End quote. So you got one side saying, I smacked the ball and I called it. The other one's like, nah, man, you only just put up your finger. You're like, I, I, I'll hit it once. Like, It only takes one hit. It only takes one hit to hit the ball. So like, I don't know who to believe, but I definitely think it rubs a little sand into the to the dirt and I think it's definitely a controversial moment for baseball so I'm gonna talk about the Joe Carter uh, moment and so this moment is his grand slam in game 7 of the World Series see I said I talked about Bill uh, what was his name yeah Bill Mazeroski Mazeroski yep he was the first person to ever hit a walk-off home run that wins the World Series for his team. Well, Joe Carter, the second guy. Yeah. And guess what? It was a grand slam yeah, if that. And he, in in the Blue Jays field, he demolished a pitch still, right over. I think it was still Rogers Center. It, it was That's still Rogers Center. Center. He demolished a pitch right over the left field uh, wall. And it was a walk-off grand slam to win the World Series in Game Isn't Seven. Isn't it the only one to ever? It's do the that? only grand slam mm-hmm. he's ever the, the, in MLB history. It's not. He's the second guy to hit a walk-off home run to win the World mm-hmm. Series. 
but he is the first guy to hit a walk-off grand slam. That makes it that much sweeter. You got three people on base and you smack it over, hit a dinger, everyone's going around. I imagine being him, just all the glory. Yeah, that's a dream right there. Imagine that as a little kid in the backyard playing wiffle ball. So we got our last one, but it's not our least. Now these, we just want to let you guys know if you're listening in, this is not ranked at all. This is just us throwing stuff out there. Yeah, what do you think? Giving you information. But um, let's, let's talk about this last one. Baseball returning to New York after the unfortunate events of uh, 9-11. So, games resumed in New York professionally on September 21st. The Mets are going to take on the Atlanta Braves. It's the first, it was the first major sporting event in the state since the attacks. The game itself was really intense. It was one-to-one throughout seven innings. Uh, Mets reliever and native New Yorker John Franco. Uh, many might know about him. I actually got a signature of him. It's pretty cool. We saw him at FanFest. Yeah. All-star game when he came to New York in 2013. But he gave him a run in the top of the eighth, and the Braves are up 2-1. It's in the bottom of that inning, bottom of the eighth, Edgardo Alfonso from the Mets got a walk. Mike Piazza comes up. Everyone, and, and when you hear that name, it's like, whoo! It's not just because he got inducted to the Hall of Fame. I think it was 2016. Yeah, yes, right. Yes, 2016 yes. with Ken Griffey. Yeah, Ken Griffey. Yeah, that was great Iconic. Class. He's the face of that franchise. The previous season, he brought him to the World Series. Another loss against the, the Yankees. That's another story to talk about, but he's the face of that franchise. He always comes in clutch when they need him, whether it's catching on the defense yeah. or hitting the ball. And he did exactly that. It's a home run right over center field. The apple comes up at Shea Stadium. The crowd goes crazy. The crowd pop was insane. It, it, baseball needed this, but more importantly, New York needed this. And Mike Piazza was just a small part of a team that was able to bring happiness to a state that was in time of need. Yeah. I think this is definitely a pivot point in the history of baseball. It definitely changed baseball. Yes. But now that we talked about our moments, we're actually having a few calls with uh, some of the people that follow our podcast. They want to talk to us about their moments of baseball that they've seen. So let's go to our first one. Hey, how you doing? What's going on, Spence? Hey, this is our, this is our, first, um, our first caller. We yeah. got Will. What's um, happening? So, uh, why don't you tell us about your greatest moment? Oh, holy! Why are you rushing stuff, bro? How, how you doing? <laughs> how you doing? What's happening? What's happening, Z? During this uh, quarantine, my man. Um, I've been doing pretty good, man. I've just been trying to keep myself busy. Um, you know, I got some schoolwork to do. I've been doing my uh, guitar lessons online. Ooh, okay, okay. Some stuff like that. So, you know, just trying to trying to stay entertained. Yeah, definitely, bro. What about you guys? What have you been up to? I mean, bass is anything, so I'm doing my schoolwork. Right. I've been practicing bass. I'm, I'm trying to get good enough so I can play with you, so we can jam out. I'm, I'm trying to learn everything. I'm more uh, on the first string and second string. That's that's totally fine. That's yeah. how you got to start out. String <laughs> yeah. by string. Exactly. You know. Hmm. Um. But let, let's talk about. So today our episode's about baseball moments that have changed the MLB. Right. you have any moments that maybe you watched or you've heard about and know some info about it that you want to talk about? Uh, yeah. So first off, I'm a Mets fan, just like you. Yeah, um, I think that's one of the things that we bonded over when we were younger. 
Oh, yeah. Uh, I think it was either you or, you know, my uncle who turned me into a Mets fan. I'm not sure. But (laughs) as a Mets fan, you know, we don't have many championships, but, you know, we have a lot of stories, right? Of course. One of the main stories I always heard, you know, from from you or my uncle or, you know, any, any Mets fan was from the 1986 World Series, Game 6. So, you know, it wasn't the last game of the series, but I I remember hearing about, you know, this this guy on the Mets, Smokey Wilson, and, you know, he hit a grounder out towards first base and people thought it was going to be, you know, an easy an easy out for the for the Red Sox. Mm -hmm. But man the ball went through my my boy's legs <laughs> yeah <laughs> the ball went right through what's his name bill bill buckner it went right through yeah legs. Bill buckner. Mm-hmm. and i even though it happened in 1986 i i can i still feel i can empathize with red Sox fans yeah they had to watch that from their homes and be like oh man <laughs> But, you know, I was asking my mom about it. She said she was standing in Port Authority when that happened. She heard about it. All the Mets fans were going crazy. Oh, that's awesome. Um, (laughs) But, yeah, who knows? Maybe if if it didn't go through his legs and he got that out, the the Mets wouldn't have won the World Series. Who knows? Yeah, we definitely needed that as fans. They needed that World Series. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah. You can't just rely on 1969 as the only one. Yeah, and, you know, since then, I feel like Mets fans, you know, we we have our moments with stuff like that. Of course. Yeah, I mean, hopefully they can do something this season. If it, you know, when it starts. <laughs> hopefully, yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm actually trying to get to a game. I went to a couple of games last season, but uh. Oh yeah, we, yeah, we went to one game to get, uh, together last season. We did, we did. That was a good game. Dude, that was insane. Pete Alonso slapped one over. I think it met Rosario got one. There were a couple home runs that night. Yeah, it was wild. Who were they, was who were they playing? Do uh, they play the Marlins? the Marlins? Right. Oh, that, that's <laughs> why. That yeah, but, I mean, come on. I mean, you gotta let them get something though. You gotta like eleven one or something like that. We're sitting in center field. Yeah, that. Yeah, our Dude. seats. Our seats were were pretty good. Oh, we were sitting right behind. Um, oh God, what's his name? Batista, right? When he we had his, <laughs> yeah. he had his short stint on the Mets. <laughs> oh man, that was that was she, a good night. You got any predictions for the season? Like, we think's gonna happen? Man, I don't know. It's 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 up in the air if there even is a season. So I, I know you're supporting the Mets, but what's your favorite player? Ooh, that's a good question. Um, I've always been a fan of pitchers. Okay, you know, I like the charisma they bring to the game. So I got to say, right now, Jacob Degrom is my favorite player. Yeah, it's the goat. The goat. He's <laughs> he's he's actually the first uh, jersey I bought from the Mets. After oh, okay. after yeah. they they made it to the um the the World Series a couple of years ago, mm-hmm. so I got that and yeah ever since I've been you know I've been a big fan of his especially last season he was ripping it up. Oh, yeah. Dude, I think he's gonna get Cy Young three years in a row this season. There doesn't agree with me. He thinks Max Scherzer. I think Max Scherzer's gonna get it. But, no, I think the Grom's gonna win that pitching title again. Yeah, I hope so. I hope so. Hey. But yeah, thank you so much. Of course.
this was for being, this was cool. This yeah. is cool. I love I love this kind of stuff, guys. Thank you. We have to get on for a full episode. Of course, I'm down. All right, man. All right. Uh, thank you again for talking with us, letting us know no what you think. Of course. Um, you have a great one. <laughs> <laughs> you too. I'll, go I'll be talking to you guys soon. All right, All man. Right. Later. Talk to you later, bro. And uh, with our next caller, we have Andrew. Hey. Of course, you know my brother Spencer. Yo, what's poppin'? We run the Los Reyes podcast. Uh, how are you doing with um the quarantine right now? How are you? How you doing? Uh, getting through it one day at a time. Yeah, I'm with you there. All right, so why not? Let's jump into it. What's your moment? What do you got? I have Johan Santana's no hitter. Yes, another Mets fan. Let's go. We only let Mets fans on the show. No, no, I'm not joking. <laughs> I wish. No, no, no. <laughs> yeah, so um, the Johan Santana moment, the no-hitter, right? Mm-hmm. So I-, I was nine at the time. So I was in my grandma's room watching the Mets game. I did that every single time they were on. And... Uh-huh. uh. My mom came into the room and she said, oh, Andrew, it's time for bed. I was nine, you know, bedtime. (laughs) All right. And uh, I told her, Johan Santana has a no hitter right now. And it was like the fourth inning. So it was whatever. And then I went up to my mom's room, watched the rest of the game. Sixth inning almost gave me a heart attack when Beltron hit a liner down the first baseline or, or the third baseline. Uh, on the replay, you could see that the ball hit the line. So that would have ended the no-hitter, but in 2012, they didn't have the replay system. Yeah, thank God. Yeah. Uh, So Collins kept him in the game the whole time. 134 pitches after he finished the no-hitter. The rest of that season, he had like an eight point something ERA, and he never pitched in the majors again after that yeah. year. So that was really his last great moment. And he was on and off his whole career. He got injured, I believe, every season up until like twenty that that season, twenty twelve. Yeah, he he had the surgery in two thousand eleven, so he missed that whole season, and then he came back in two thousand twelve, pitched the no hitter, and then he had a bunch of little injuries. And then I forget what it was, but he had a big injury that ended his career. Yeah. Yeah, sadly saying so. But the no-hitter, though, I mean, it's the only one of that. <laughs> yeah. Season. I'll take it. I'll take it. And um, do you have any bold predictions for the season? Yeah. Uh, I know you guys both picked, I think, Trout for the AL MVP, right? Yes. Yeah. That's what and then I- you, you both had his teammate. Right under him, right? Anthony Rendon, yes. Yeah. yeah, I'm going to the AL Central for the MVP. Okay. It's a guy that hit 315 last year with 25 home runs for the Chicago White Sox. The Jeff McNeil of the AL, but more potential. Yoan Moncada will be the 2020 AL MVP. Oh, okay. that's, that's definitely yeah. different. You're not the goal. That's a yeah. goal. <laughs> so, uh, no, that, that's a wild prediction, but 
Hopefully, he's a good player though. Yeah, he's a very if good player. He doesn't player. win it this series. Definitely gonna win it in conference. Yeah, very essential to the White Sox. And yeah, thank you so much for being on the show. You got it. We hope we hope to have you again on sometime. And uh, thank you so much. All right, I'll see you guys. Thanks. What's up, man? All right, guys, that was our last guest for this episode. We want to thank both guests, Will and Andrew, for being on this episode number two. We also want to thank you as the listeners for listening in on you know, the, the past one and this one, following us on social media. We want to thank you for following us on this journey while baseball is in the hiatus. And we want to, we know everybody has a lot going on right now, so it means a lot to us. Uh, make sure you guys are following us on Instagram at Delos underscore Reyes underscore podcast make sure to check the link in the bio it will have this episode and the other episodes we have posted i mean make sure last but not least stay healthy wash your hands take your vitamins get your gloves masks make sure your hand sanitized stuck inside i mean i would recommend you know going on a bike ride we've been going on bike rides stay active while you can get your workout in get a nice protein shake all right nothing less about us guys have a great one Peace out.